You're listening to Bethany Radio. More content is available on iTunes or online at BethanyBibleLeroy.com. Well, good morning again, and I invite you to turn your scriptures this week to Psalm 107 if you want to find a new spot. Not Philippians this week, but Psalm, excuse me, 107. You want to turn there, I'll explain more in a little bit, but as you're getting there, I do have a picture, one last picture from our study in Philippians from Kaylin last week. Kaylin drew this picture, I think, of Scripture and just wonderfully with these faces that we talked about last week, kind of Paul tying up the exaltation of Christ and the greet so-and-so and greet so-and-so and greet so-and-so, and we talked about the, the greetings and the togetherness, kind of these two ideas summed up in the end, and he's got there together in the gospel. So thank you, Kaylin, for that picture. Appreciate all you kids. You're doing great. I love it when your names are on them and you're handing them to me while I'm maybe talking to an adult. Just slip them in. I'll take them and, and hear me saying thank you for, for being part of our service and listening in. I think as we read today, you're going to hear some images. So there's lots of things maybe that you can draw out today. For the next six weeks, uh, Lord willing, we're going to be looking into the book of Psalms, by no means covering the whole book, but the Psalms, this hymn book for the church, really. And there's, there's two reasons, both of them, I think, of the providence of God for us to go into the Psalms uh, here. Let me explain. One is just, it's a shorter study as we go into the Advent season. Some of you are going to say, no Christmas music till December. That's fine. Don't play it till then. But it is coming. And so with Advent coming at the end of November, it just felt too tight to start. Um, I'm being led, I think, towards we'll go back in the Old Testament next to Judges, but I want to put that off for a little bit anyway. And so it's just kind of this shorter period. Where do we go? I think some Psalms, just to spend some time in the Psalms would, would be good. So we're not studying all 150 of them. We're studying one today and as we go. The other reason is a little more maybe deeper motivation, more personal, just that I as a pastor, as like you in the Christian walk, we go through valleys and dry spots and I need refreshment. So I'm not telling that to scare you. We just, we go through those times and I need to be refreshed. And so here we are in the Psalms and I think we're going to find just refreshment. And I hope you too need that refreshment from the Lord, not just on a, on a Sunday, right? This, this can't cover it for me. Well, we, we preach Sunday. We preach the psalm. That'll get me through the week. I need God what, minute by minute, really, daily in his word, daily being refreshed. I hope you are as well. Um, you think of that word refresh, right, in your, in your web browser? That's where I most think of refresh now. It used to mean just refreshment, something you serve somewhere, but now refresh has a web meaning to it. And you do that, at least I do that when everything is stalled out. The little blue bar, whatever color you have, that goes across your screen, the, the page has stalled, and you hit the refresh. And now the page may, maybe, right, maybe reloads and comes again. That's the idea when we come to the Psalms, we're hitting refresh. But it's not just refresh humanistically, like, I hope I just feel better. It's refreshed. Lord, show me again. Who are you, Lord? Who do we serve? Who did we just sing about forever to be unto his name, glory? So I think Psalms will help us. And, and all of God's word. This isn't Psalms alone, right? The whole, all of God's word is refreshment for us. It's what we need. 
John Calvin says this of the Psalms. He says, It is by perusing these inspired compositions that men will be most effectually awakened to a sense of their maladies. Maybe older word. Their troubles, right? Awakened to a sense of their maladies and at the same time instructed in seeking remedies for their cure. We're coming to a doctor's prescription for those that need refreshing here. It's in the Psalms. We have a mirror of our maladies and we have a remedy for the cure. What I'm going to do over these next six weeks is really close, try to close as I can, yeah, follow what's in the orange two-year Bible reading plan. I think we're, we're almost done here. So there's no time like today to just start. If you have lost track of reading the Bible, nothing against just start where we're at. It's October 18th today. Start there and you'll find Psalm 107. And you'll find you've already done it. You've read it today, although you could read it again, right? You could read it more than one time. But that's where we're going to go. And as the Sundays line up, you'll know that on the Sunday, that's some, some Sundays have like three Psalms, so we'll be choosing one of those. Uh, not sure which yet, but, but those will take us really to the end, of the end of the book of Psalms, just looking at that. So I'd encourage you to uh, read it either in the orange sheets. Um, Khalees has been putting it in the bulletin. You'll find Scripture there, the Scripture of the week. Um, like I said, this, this can't be our only refreshment, right? We need the Lord daily, hourly. This is a part of it. This is, we gather together to go, oh, there's other believers, right? We're all praising the Lord. Who is our God? And we're remembering because we forget so easy. So we need that encouragement throughout the week. All right, well, that all said is kind of introduction. I do want to read Psalm 107, and I'm going to read all 43 verses of it. I, I told... Some of the elders this morning. This is a stretch. I've been in Philippians. I've been doing like two verses a week. So there's a lot of ground to cover. So we're going to be here, right? No, we won't be here a while. We're going to do kind of more, more general, a little bit through it. But I'm going to read it. You can um, listen along if you have a different translation that's hard to follow or use it. I'm reading out of the ESV. But let's listen to God's Word in Psalm 107. And I want you to do something as you listen. Kids as well, listen for what's repeated. That's some of the most helpful things. What do you hear over and over again? And you'll be able to preach as well. You say, oh, that's, yeah, we knew that was there. So Psalm 107, here's what God's Word says to us. I'll give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. For His steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. Some wandered in desert wastes, finding no way to a city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted within them. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way till they reached a city to dwell in. Let them thank the Lord. For his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. For he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things. Some sat in darkness and in the shadow of death, prisoners in affliction and in irons. For they had rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. So he bowed their hearts down with hard labor. They fell down with none to help. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. 
He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death, burst their bonds apart. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. For he shatters the doors of bronze and cuts in two the bars of iron. Some were fools through their sinful ways, and because of their iniquity suffered affliction. They loathed any kind of food, and they drew near to the gates of death. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He sent out his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. And let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of his deeds in songs of joy. Some went down to the sea in ships, doing business on the great waters. They saw the deeds of the Lord, his wondrous works in the deep. For he commanded and raised the stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. They mounted up to heaven and went down to the depths. Their courage melted away in their evil plight. They reeled and staggered like drunken men and were at their wits' end. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them from their distress. He made the storm be still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad that the waters were quiet, and He brought them to their desired haven. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. Let them extol him in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. He turns rivers into a desert, springs of water into thirsty ground, a fruitful land into a salty waste because of the evil of its inhabitants. He turns a desert into pools of water, a parched land into springs of water, And there he lets the hungry dwell, and they establish a city to live in. They sow fields and plant vineyards and get a fruitful yield. By his blessing they multiply greatly, and he does not let their livestock diminish. When they are diminished and brought low through oppression, evil, and sorrow, he pours contempt on princes and makes them wander in trackless wastes. But he raises up the needy out of affliction and makes their families like flocks. The upright see it and are glad. And all wickedness shuts its mouth. Whoever is wise, let him attend to these things. Let them consider the steadfast love of the Lord. Let's pray as we get into this. Lord, You've given us a book, as we talked about in Sunday school, 66 books of your mercy and grace to sinners like us. To have read through your word, to have breathed today is an act of your mercy and grace on our lives. To know Jesus is your grace. And to come to this word is your grace. Lord, we pray for us who are prone to think on other things, prone to be satisfied in other things, prone to find that idol that looks so tempting in the face of your great glory and your great joys. So Lord, lead us back to you. Help us to understand your steadfast love through this portion of your, of your word today that you would work amongst us, that we would be a people that would proclaim it, that we would give thanks, we would praise your name. 
throughout the generations. And we ask this according to your spirit, according to the name of Jesus. Amen. So, <clears throat> how, how does God love with a steadfast love? What is that steadfast love? What is it? We sing about it, right? His love endures, his steadfast love. What does that look like? And what does one do when faced with a multitude of trouble? This psalm teaches us trouble is all over the place. And so is deliverance. Because the Lord is all over the place. Our deliverer. Look again as we just kind of take this apart. Look at section. There are sections here and we're going to look at them. Try to be somewhat brief here as we, as we look through this passage. The first section is really verses 1 through 3. Now, I'm not going to read uh, every section again, but I am going to read this one. Um, important to get the, the setting again. So if we reverse, we go back, we read the whole. Now we've got a picture of it. Here's what the first part says again. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble, gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. Verse 1 begins with this main, it's, you know, when you're, when you're, trans, when you're looking through the scriptures, you look, what are the verbs? What, what's going on? And the, and the first one here is give thanks. That's the word here, give thanks. It can also mean to, to praise or to acclaim. So give thanks or, or maybe we could say praise the Lord. And this idea you're going you're gonna to find, right, as we went through, it's going to come up five times, I think, is the count throughout this entire psalm, this give thanks. And, and if you were finding as we read, you saw that already. But like we saw in Philippians, there is a thankfulness, there is a praise, but it is not apart from but tied to the gracious acts of the Lord. Here, capital L-O-R-D, Yahweh. Israel, the personal God to them. This is, he is the main character of this account. He is the Lord. That's who we're praising and giving thanks to. And he's described here as good. He is good. And kind of in a parallelism, for, or you know, why is he good? Because his steadfast love endures forever. And that's just, I think it's one of these, it's a rich Hebrew word. If you ever hear it, chesed. It's kind of, kids, you've got to try this, right? This is how you do Hebrew. Can you do it with me? Chesed. There, you're trying. Thank you. Chesed. It's fun. Adults, you can say it. Chesed. They, they go together. It's this idea of God's steadfast love. That's good. Keep trying it. Yeah, keep trying it. Maybe that was dad I heard. Something. Okay. The Net Bible calls it loyal love. If you're reading an NASB, you've got loving kindness. So I've got ESV, I've got steadfast love. Or you've got loving kindness. King James, you've got mercy. Here's what one resource says, and I'll just quote from them with, with this word. It says, with reference to Yahweh, this chesed, okay, this, this steadfast love, commonly refers to his steadfast love, signifying an irrevocable commitment to his promise to fashion a, his being, I think God here, to fashion a people to serve him whom he in turn promised to love and protect. A significant number of references explicit, explicitly linking chesed to the covenant 
warrants the claim that whenever such love is predicated of Yahweh, one may argue that the divine response is motivated by His solemn commitment to His people. There's a reason there's some translate loyal or steadfast. It's God's loyal. It's His covenantal love to His people. We celebrated communion not a few weeks ago, that new covenant in Christ, that covenant promise. This will be my people. It's that type of love, and it's shown throughout this psalm. Well, verse 2 then illustrates the love and goodness that God has shown to His redeemed, those purchased of God. And the second line illuminates the first. He has redeemed them from trouble. Trouble. Or the ESV says, from the hand of the foe. This, this word comes up again and again as we see through this psalm. You'll see it again. And so this psalm is going to testify to the God who saves from trouble. So kind of this intro, he's redeemed from trouble. How? Well, we'll see the various breakdowns as we look through here when his people call on him. And then verse, verse 3 is, is there, and not to discount it or, or pass over it. I, think it, I think it helps us with the context of this psalm. What, what time period, what chronologically, where does this psalm land? And that's verse 3, I think, amongst maybe other things, are helpful. Um, I believe this psalm comes after the exile. Remember when we studied Joshua, that was when the people entered the promised land. They went into and there was divisions and, and uh, where people should go and allotments and all that sort of thing. And then as they live in that land, they rebel. And due to their rebellion, God exiles them out uh, Assyria comes in, Babylon comes in, they're exiled from the land. That's what I think is the context. And if you want to look at that, look back at Psalm 106. Not every psalm leads into the next one, but I think there's one writer makes a, a point for 105, 6, 7, all kind of combined here together, even though you see 107 is kind of in a new book. Um, look at Psalm 106, verse 34. Let me just start there. And this is kind of the re- recounting of just, um, for lack of better terms, I mean the bad stuff, right, that had happened to Israel, their rebellion as they went through. You'll, you'll see it, um, I, I think, maybe even prior to the exile. Verse 34 in Psalm 106. We see their history and time in the promised land. It says here, verse 34, They did not destroy the peoples as the Lord commanded them, but they, they mixed with the nations and learned to do as they did. They served their idols, which became a snare to them. They sacrificed their sons and their daughters to the demons. This is how bad it was. Child sacrifice. They poured out innocent blood, the blood of their sons and daughters, whom they sacrificed to the idols of Canaan. And the land was polluted with blood. Thus they became unclean by their acts and played the whore in their deeds. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against his people, and he abhorred his heritage. He gave them into the hand of the nations so that those who hated them ruled over them. Their enemies oppressed them and they were brought into subjection under their power. Many times he delivered them, but they were rebellious in their purposes and were brought low through their iniquity. Nevertheless, verse 44 says, he looked upon their distress when he heard their cry. 
for their sake, he remembered his covenant. Now we're, our ears are popping up, okay? And relented according to the abundance of his steadfast love. And I'll stop there. So now in Psalm 107, considered post-exilic, post the exile of this. They were exiled. And God here, verse 3, gathering them once again from the lands where they had been dispersed to. God has loved, he's redeemed, he's gathering his people even though they deserve in their sin to be scattered forever. No hope of God. His people had played the prodigal. They had left his love, and yet God's steadfast love is overwhelming, isn't it? And so that leads us into the next, really four sections here, verses 4 through 32. There's four of them, I think, here. And they, I think they highlight times, certain times in the exile. I don't know when. I don't know how it all fits. But I think these are exilic times. And yet they, they're going to highlight God's love as well. And we'll see troubles abound. Different, all sorts, different troubles. But then so does the steadfast love of God. I'm going to try to look at each section somewhat briefly. But I'm going to look at it in a couple of ways. So four sections, each section kind of these, these headlines. What's the trouble? What's the trouble they face? That's listed out. What's the turning point? Where's, where does a turn occur in their trouble? And then what's the, they're kind of combined, the deliverance and response. So we're looking at what's the trouble? What's the turning point for them? And then what's the response, the deliverance? And then how does Christ fulfill this? He's here. So we're looking at those four as we just go through them. So relatively, I won't read them again, but verses 4 through 9 is really this first section. And here, number one, here God satisfies the hungry and thirsty. That'd be, number, that'd be this title of this one. He satisfies the hungry and thirsty. Verse, verse 5 here gives the situation. Well, 4 and 5, right? They're wandering. They're, there's hunger. There's thirsts. There's, they're thirsty in the Hebrew. I think it's plural. There's thirsts. There's fainting souls. The picture is this desert wilderness. There's no city of refuge. It's just barren wilderness. They're fainting. They lack life-sustaining nourishment in this desert place. That's the situation for us to get our eyes, our mind around it. And then verse 6, so that's the trouble. Verse 6 is the turning point. By the way, it is for each of these, right? Verse 6, they, what do they do? They cry out to the Lord in their trouble. You could label each of these, these sections as stories of trouble and yet stories of God's deliverance because each time they, they cry out to the Lord. It's like an ancient 911 call. We're in trouble here. Lord, help us. So that's the turning point. They cry to the Lord in their trouble, and the deliverance, and then we'll look at response, the deliverance is from the Lord. He delivers them from their distress. It's the Lord that they call on over and over and over again. God delivers. So the response then, you know, you look at verse 7, he led them by a straight way. All these sorts of changes take place, but 8, what do you do? Let them thank. Again, we've got that thank. Let them. So what response? Let them thank. Give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love. 
praise and worship is due the Lord for this, this hesed love and his deeds to these children of man. It's interesting, one commentary I looked at, when you look at that verse, for his, let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works or deeds to the children of man. One looks at this, and I think you could see this here as well. There's kind of a, a vertical thanks to the Lord. There's also a horizontal proclaiming. Perhaps as you translate, as you look into this, his wondrous works to the children of man is a proclamation, right? Lord, we thank you. We praise you. Have you heard about my Lord? Have you heard? Have you seen his deliverance? We praise him and tell of those wonderful deeds to others. And there's a joy, right? There's a joy in praising the Lord. And there's a joy in telling someone else what the Lord has done. I think that may be a case here that we see in this. So there's praising God, declaring his praise to others. And then, and then this, verses 4 through 9. Right? Verse 9 tells us he satisfies the longing soul. The hungry soul fills with good things. Ultimately, who does this? Christ does this. Matthew 5, 6 tells us this. You could write it down. Remember these, these blessed are the, are the poor, blessed are the peacemaker. There's one in verse 6. Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Who satisfies those who hunger and thirst for righteousness? Not us. <laughs> not, our, not our works. Not our getting right with God. It's Christ. Because we read in that same chapter of Matthew 5 that Christ fulfills the law and the prophets. Today, hungering, thirsting for righteousness, Christ satisfies. We cannot satisfy God's wrath. He did on the cross what he offers to us. Okay, so four through nine, you've kind of got the pattern now, right? Trouble, turning point, deliverance response. How does Christ fulfill? Number two, so verses 10 through 16. Number two, God sets the prisoner in darkness free. That's the second one here. What's the trouble in 10 through 16? Just proves the first uh, 10 and 11 there. They're, they're in darkness. They're in the shadow of death. They're prisoners in affliction, in, in irons, right? They're, they're held, they're bound, prisoner language. Why? They rebelled against the Word of God. Turning point? They're in the trouble, right? That's their trouble in the turning point. Verse 13, then they cried to the Lord in their trouble again and again. God delivers them, brings them out of darkness. Even look at verse 16 down below. We're just kind of capturing the whole little part here. Look at 16. Look at how it's changed, right? They had been in irons in verse 10. Now it's 16. Look at the reversal. He shatters doors of bronze, cuts into the bars of iron. That's what God does. He sets prisoners free. Does it sound like something Christ has done? So there's a response. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, his wondrous works. Think of Christ's words then in Luke chapter 4. It says there, he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. 
And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. Here's Jesus reading this in a synagogue. We just read, read that God sets prisoners free, cuts bars and iron. Here's what Jesus is reading. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And the, the eyes of all in the synagogue are fixed on him, it says. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Christ is in the Psalms. He's here setting the prisoner free. Let them thank the Lord for His steadfast love, His wondrous works to the children of man. Number three, 17 through 22. Another sort of trouble. So we've had hunger and thirst. We've had uh, darkness, imprisoned. Number three, God delivers foolish sinners and he heals them through his word. God delivers sinners. What's the trouble here? 17 through 22. They were fools. Fools in their sin and therefore suffered affliction. I like how one commentary describes the fool here. Not as, a, not as an intellect like they don't know anything. Listen to their description. They say, fool here, it's not confined to the idea of defective in intellect merely. Here's what a fool is. It is one who insanely lives only for the passing hour and ruins health, calling, family, and in short, himself and everything belonging to him. And what does a fool do in sin when they realize how near, as verse 18 says, how near to the gates of death they are? What's a fool do at that point in his trouble or her trouble? They cry, they call. They cry out, verse 19. Fools cry out to the Lord in their trouble. And it says, God, verse 20, He sends His word. He heals. And they respond again in praise. Let them thank the Lord for His steadfast love. God delivers with His word and He heals. God's word here, sent by the prophets, but ultimately, ultimately that word, Christ. Hebrews 1, 1 through 4 puts it this way. Think about this in the context of Psalms and then the fulfillment of Christ. It says, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom also He created the world. He's the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature and He upholds the universe by the word of His power. Just stop there for a sec. Christ upholds the universe by the word of His power. That's who we're praising. That's who we know. It says, After making purification for sins, He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. God's word and God's deliverance, I think they, 
they combine together in God's Son, Jesus Christ. God delivers foolish sinners. He heals them through His, through his Word. Delivers them from destruction. All right, one last section is verses 23 through 32. That's number four in these troubling sections. Sections of trouble, sections of praise. Number four, God stills the great waves of the storm. So 23 through 32, God stills the great waves of the storm. What's the trouble here? Well, these travelers, they're out on the sea. We, we're, we're now in the, uh, maybe the Mediterranean. Maybe that, that sea is in mind. And these travelers, they get a first front row seat to the wonders of the Lord. Verse 25, it's a storm with great waves. Waves big enough, I think, do you see the language there? Um, verse 26, they mounted up to heaven. They went down to the depths. I don't think that means heaven of heavens. That means just they went, they were riding these big waves and down to the bottom and the fear and their courage, right? Their courage melted in them and their evil plight. So what do storm-tossed sailors do? You hear the repetition now? I think you could say it without me, right? They cry out to the Lord in their trouble. They were at their wit's end, verse 28. They cried to the Lord in their trouble, and He delivers them. He delivers them. His deliverance is making the storm still, hushing the waves. And again, the call is to give thanks to the Lord. Do you hear anything of Christ there? Right? One of those great stories of Christ in the Gospels. Where do we find Jesus? He's out in the water, out on the water, Sea of Galilee. He's got fishermen with him. He's transforming these fishermen into be, being fishers of men. And his words still the waves. Remember, he says, peace, Mark 5, 39. Peace, be still. Imagine if the disciples knew of these psalms. They knew of a, a God who stills the waves, right? And I think that's their response. Who is this that's in our boat that can say, be still? That's what God does in storms. He stills the waters. You see a pattern here. No, no matter the trouble, right? Maybe you could fit in 10 more of these. No matter the trouble, God's people cry to the Lord and He delivers. He delivers. Each time here. Now the last section, verses 33, it's really 33 through 38 and 39 through 42. I'm just going to admit up front, it's a, it's a bit harder for me to understand. So I'm coming to this, I'm going, here's what I think. I'm going to be relatively short on this. Here's what I think, but, it, but the language becomes a little more challenging for me uh, to understand here. But let's look at it, I think, with these two headings, 33 through 38. I think we can, we can ultimately say God is the one who transforms. Now, you've got, if you're in ESV, you've got the words, he turns. Maybe you have changes in there. He turns rivers into a desert. Or verse 35, he turns a desert into pools of water. God is the one on display doing the turning, the transforming here. He alone transforms a land and a people. He turns what's fruitful to a wasteland and what's a wasteland to being fruitful. That's what God does. He transforms. 
and by his blessing the land flourishes. Charles Spurgeon writes this in this section, thinking about, I think God's grace here and, and God's, bless, God's blessing and this transforming that he does. He says, None are so ready to return a revenue of praise to God for great mercies as those who have known the lack of them. So none are, none are like ready to praise when you've known the, the lack of maybe God's mercies in your life. He says, this is encouragement for our singing, right? Hungry souls make sweet music when the Lord fills them with his gracious gifts. I just stop there. You, you find yourself in trouble or downcast and think, I'll go to church today and I'll just because that's what we do. And I'll come here. Or at home, I'll just open up the word. These sorts of things. And we're, we're troubled and downcast. And we think it's not a good place. It is a good place as we cry to the Lord. Our singing is sweeter when we say, Lord, I don't, I don't deserve to be here. I don't deserve to sing your praises. My week's a wreck. But by your mercy, I can sing. And so we sing songs of praise. Hungry souls make sweet music. We enjoy God's blessings in Christ. And then verse 39 through 42, I think there's, there's a contrast again. Maybe it's, it's harder to see here without reading it all, but there's a contrast again. There's a contrast of, of wilderness wandering. And what I don't know, I'll just tell you, what I don't know, verse 39, when they are diminished and brought low through oppression, evil, and sorrow. And I'm asking myself, who's the they, right? Who's the they? I think it could be both, both those that are oppressed and sorrowful and hungry and thirsty and in trouble and perhaps those that are prideful and, and wicked and all these sorts of they're, they're all brought low. God pours contempt on princes. He makes them wander now, not in ways, but trackless ways, like, like wrong ways for them. But then, but then, verse 41, he raises up the needy out of affliction. He raises up the needy from affliction. So princes, nobles made to wander, but the needy are raised. And the language families like flocks has, I think, something to do with security there. There's raising up, there's security in those that God raises up. I think you might connect here the New Testament equivalent of Peter's words that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Opposes the proud to the humble, he raises up out of affliction here. That's what God does. And the uprights see it and they're glad for it. And then verse 43, as we just close this out, like a bookend, and yet there's a call here in this last verse, verse 43, the, really the response. What do we do with all this? We look through the troubles. They cry to the Lord. He delivers them. So give thanks for his steadfast love. What do you do with this? And verse 43, the call is, whoever is wise, let him attend to these things. Let them consider Hesed, right? Consider the steadfast love of the Lord. You desire wisdom in dealing with trouble, hunger and thirst, stormy seas, prisons, foolish sins, a hungering thirst for righteousness. 
the call here, think on these things. Consider these things. And in everything, it's like a consider the steadfast love of the Lord. It's a good consideration. As we've alluded to throughout this psalm, we we can know this God of steadfast love through the Deliverer, Jesus Christ. Through Him, we know this, this kind of love who died on a cross that He might bring men to Himself, to God, to live with Him forever in joy. A couple of New Testament verses just to kind of make the point and, and drive it home. Romans 8, right? I won't read a lot. I'll just read a little bit. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ, right? To, to bring Psalm forward. To, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword, right? Hunger, thirst, prisons, all these things, my own sin. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him him who loved us. Or John fifteen nine, Jesus says, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. There's a command. Abide in my love. What a great place to abide, to live, to dwell in the love of God. Hungering, thirsting for righteousness, look to Christ. Bound in chains of darkness, look to Christ. Facing trouble and sin, we cry out for salvation only through Christ. His righteousness, not ours. Storm-tossed, waves up to heaven, down to the earth, down to the depths. We cry out to the one who calms seas. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you for your love. Lord, again, as we open today, you are gracious to undeserving sinners. Fools, really, without your grace. Storm-tossed, hungering, thirsting, going after, going after that meal in some place we know we should not go. And yet we think we're going to find a good meal there. We won't. It's found in You. Lord, You call us, Lord Jesus, You call us to abide in Your love. May that characterize our life. And we are bombarded. We're bombarded with political ads. We're bombarded with trials. We're bombarded with things we don't like or people around us that are whatever. Lord, we can abide. We can cry to You night or day to the Lord who delivers us. We can rest in your steadfast love demonstrated on the cross in Jesus Christ. May we trust you, Lord Jesus. May we abide in your love today. In your name, amen. You've been listening to Bethany Radio, a production of Bethany Bible Church in Leroy, Minnesota.